959 Breakfast on Kaya 959. Yesterday, you will have seen Minister of Home Affairs, Aaron Musiledi, basically calling out for there to be a harsher sanction against companies who employ undocumented immigrants. Um, and the issue of immigration is obviously a legal matter, but it's also a social matter, which affects the citizens, the country, and all neighboring countries as well. And so we're joined by a good friend of the shows, uh, just to discuss what role the law can play in something like this. Zigalala, good morning, and thank you very much for joining us. Good morning, Kinang, and also good morning to the KFM listeners. Thank you very much for being a guest on the show. It's always a pleasure to have you. Um, in, in like the first year of law school, they'll teach you about law and morality and how those two go hand in hand how law can be used to shape society into, I guess, uh, whatever you want at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this idea that um, you can actually make laws that favor some people more than others, at face value, seems very unfair, right? Uh, but when you think yeah. about it, there can be a justification for having laws that are discriminatory. Not correct? Yeah, definitely. And especially within the context of South Africa. Mm. Because what the law will then say is going to say, let's introduce standard procedures and principles which are going to want to seek justice. Now, justice can mean different things depending on where you are. Mm. If you are a black South African, you're going to say, well, we're oppressed for a number of years. We need to be in the same equity share with other individuals or other races. So how are we going to do that? So you'll be e-affirmative action is then going to come in. Mm. And then it's going to say, how do we protect our interest in individuals that do not want to implement those type of procedures and, and policies? Then we're going to say, we're going to have legislation. Legislation is going to have penalties and there's going to be punishment. Either they send you to prison or there's a fine in which you're going to, 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 to pay. So that's the context in which I think the minister was saying in yesterday to say, listen, we have a problem of people that are coming to South Africa undocumented. And they are taking into the pool of the employment that could be used by South Africans. But most importantly, another important factor to look at is that they are then decreasing the tax base in which we have. And yet when they are sick and go to hospital, they go into a public hospital, they can't be turned away because um, they, we are accommodative in that nature. But mm. they did not pay those services either directly or indirectly. How do you remedy the situation? Make, make sure that there are stricter laws in hiring individuals from foreign countries. Yes. And so that burden on the fiscus, right, it then becomes a bit of an economic issue. Uh, but like I said, it stems from, I guess, the social ills of the world because nobody would leave their home country unless they had a reason to. So they're seeking better opportunities. They're feeling like wherever they come from, things are already bad and possibly could get worse. So if as a country you legislate against that, for example, mm. uh, because we know that in our constitution, we speak of human rights, not necessarily citizen rights. Once you make yeah. it into South Africa, by virtue of you being a human, you have access to health care. This is a matter that's gone to a concord. Uh, and even if you are an undocumented immigrant, we cannot turn you away when it comes to health care. But health care comes at a cost to South Africans, all taxpaying South Africans. And even those that may not have jobs, they pay for that service in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and, and you know, you, you see that, that the right in which a person would then have 
even though it is not absolute, because we have other sections within the Constitution that seeks to limit it and, mm-hmm. and says, we are going to assist you to the best of our abilities where our, fa- our, our power fails us, then unfortunately that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's important then to manage the entry into South Africa, because you're going to say, a person who's going to enter this country must be a person that is really in need of that particular help. But most importantly, do I have the capacity in South Africa to be able to deal with the type of issues or the problems which are going to come from, other, from, from people from other countries? If I don't, then I need to implement a mechanism in which I will stop them from doing so. But when they are here, whether they got in correctly or incorrectly, how then do I manage to make sure that I protect the interests of South Africans? Because South Africans are also expecting to be employed. They also want housing and basic services. And if those particular um, resources are going to be diminished by other individuals, there needs to be an explanation. And the stated earlier is that tax base that keeps on shrinking, which is paying very high amounts um, so, so that you can be able to survive. So you need to have that particular control mechanism which is going to be there. And the law assists in those things because without the law, then there'll be absolute anarchy and individuals will actually take things into their own hands. So there will be law, but it wouldn't be law that is written. And that can be uh, inclusive to to everyone and that can be accessed by all. Mm. Now, yesterday on the show, first things first, we're having a discussion about a voice note that leaked uh, regarding Nasintleko. Yes, and yes. you are speaking about how South Africa is actually governed by the justices in the courts. Uh, and whenever I've seen the minister and the Department of Home Affairs take a matter to court, uh, it's always an adverse finding against them. <laughs> now I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's the interpretation of the law that's lacking, but it would seem Mugutsi So how are we going to achieve this? You see, there are a number of reasons that, that, that pen into that one. The first one is, firstly, what type of individuals are you utilizing to go to court? Because those are the tools which are going to use are going to be there. I'm trying to be very diplomatic without um, casting any expression to my fellow Leonard brothers and sisters. Mm. Secondly is to say the interpretation and the manner in which you interpret the law and the things that you then do, how is it compliant with what you are looking for? The most things that we find in government is that a government department would, would have a very good idea, but they haven't laid the foundation for implementing that idea by amending those legislations first. There are very few instances in which we are going to hear in the own government department saying that we want to change our laws because they're not suitable for the, t- the type of services that we are rendering. 99% of the time is going to be the court which is going to tell that particular department, change this particular law because it is not consistent with our constitution. So it is on those bases in which it is the government departments themselves that are using legislation which is out of date, not in sync with the needs of the individuals. They try and bulldoze those, those interventions. And 90% of the time, or most of the time, those interventions are going to be in controversy with, with what the law says. Now, you can't be a law unto yourself. If you have agreed that as the Department of Home Affairs, we are going to stick to these legislations, you need to stick to that legislation to the T up until an amendment has taken place. And again, we need to turn the eye and say to the legislatures, which is the parliamentarians, you are the guys that take long to amend these laws. So why are you blaming departments when those departments cannot execute their duties? Because it takes more than six months for a single legislation to be changed in South Africa, excluding any consultative processes that need to be, to, to be done. So it is on those bases in which that's why you would find that whenever government goes to court, 
uh, they would receive a bit of a hiding because the the, 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 the the court is going to say, I cannot take a decision which is against the law. The law mm. states one, two, three, four, five. I need to stick to that. If you are not happy with that, go and change the law and not me. Because I the only thing that I do as a court is to interpret what the legislation has said and who drafts the legislation and passes it. It is government. Mm. Thank you very much for joining us. That's where we need to leave it. It's 959 Breakfast. We're on the streets. We're on the air. We're everywhere. Let us know what your particular thoughts are on this matter. Do you feel like legislation in South Africa doesn't move at the pace which it should? And so what can we do maybe to change that? I just think there's an issue with our legislation and constitution altogether. It's not necessarily the how longs, but it's more the whys. Why were certain rules and regulations set in place the way that they were? And how are they meant to benefit us as a country? Because when you take a look and see how things are right now, you just can't help but wonder how does it benefit us as citizens right now? Because it's seemingly more detrimental. Yeah, so let me tell you why, right? Because the struggle for freedom and liberation was actually a pan-African struggle. When the ANC was, for example, in Lusaka, Zambia, uh, somebody like Oar Tambo, or maybe let me just say somebody like Tawon Begi was under the tutelage of Oar Tambo, right? Oar Tambo himself, though, was uh, working with everybody from the Julius Nyerere's of the world uh, to the Kwame Nkrumahs of the world, who also like instill some knowledge, uh, to obviously General himself uh, when they were in Zambia. Uh, and so whenever they were discussing ways to move just South Africa forward, they'll say, well, here's what we did in Tanzania. Or they go, well, here's what we're looking to do, for example, in Ghana. Or they say, well, this is what we did in Zambia, etc. and so on. Uh, and in fact, the Zambian government... Um, they put themselves in harm's way a lot of times to protect South Africa as a whole uh, and South African individuals, particularly in the ANC. And so when we then got liberation, we thought we should be a refuge for other African countries should they need it as well. And that's the spirit with which our constitution was written. We couldn't foresee that certain things, like, for example, what happened in Zimbabwe would happen, right? Which led to an influx of Zimbabweans coming to us now. The idea was that each country would be self-sustaining so that people wouldn't want to flee their homes. But here we are. Earlier on, we had a voice note uh, that led to us describing basically all the African leaders that helped shape South Africa's future. Uh, People like, you know, General Kenneth Kaunda... Uh, people like the Julius Nyerere's of the world, Jomo Kenyatta, Kwame Nkrumah, etc. and so on. There's a clip that I've always found interesting by Julius Nyerere. And he was speaking about the economy of Tanzania. I've played this clip before and I was still on car drive. And he spoke about how, you know, globalization, which was a thing that was happening then in his time, he said it's nonsense. He said you need to protect the local economy until it gets to a point where it is competitive with the rest of the world. So if it means you've got to ring fence certain activities and ring fence certain industries that people can't get into, then yes, so be it. I feel exactly the same way about immigration and certain jobs that people can occupy in a country. It's not to say that we don't need to import skills. Of course we do. And the brain drain is a big thing because what also happens is South Africans of prominence and South Africans that are capable 
also leave our country and go to other countries to seek better opportunities. True. So now we left with a shortage of skills that we need to then bring in. And we're not unique. I mean, in every country, Caesar, they will tell you, even in Zim, there's just certain jobs that are reserved for the citizens. And that is normal. But when South Africa does it, it's a problem. And like you said, when the constitution was drafted, it was in the spirit of unity with other African countries. But we didn't see them going to ruin that they are in now, which forces, obviously, naturally, an influx of people into our country. We need to fix our house as well, man. 959 Breakfast, Monday to Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. on Kaya 959.